Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Chunky Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on! From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We rollin'! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Wednesday night for your Thursday morning delivery. We're excited to talk to you for the next hour or so as we discuss the latest in mixed martial arts. A lot to talk about. We got a UFC 295 fight week. So there's tidbits that are pouring in from New York. Alex Pajeda, Tom Aspinall, Sergei Pavlovich, Yuri Proshaska. They're all chiming in, talking about these big fights of theirs coming up, title fights. And this is a quick chance for us to give you a reminder that those and I will be hosting a watch along on Saturday, uh, November 11th, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for four prelims, and then 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific for the five fights on the main card, including those two title fights I just discussed. So uh, as I say that, let me give you one other tip. We do our spinning back, back click show every Monday, right? Noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Guess what? Next week we're doing two. We're doing Monday and Tuesday, and what's happening on, on Tuesday is we're going to be breaking down this list that we have of the 30 greatest fighters in the history of the UFC. So that should be fun. I think all or most of the staff will be involved. It'll be hosted by Simon Tamano, our managing editor. So you'll hear a lot of reminders about that one Tuesday, same time, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, another spinning back click show, but again, featuring the 30 greatest fighters in the history of the UFC, we'll kind of break it down, bust each other's balls. We all had different lists, but we collaborated and came up with the list that we have. But yes, there were differing opinions, so we'll chat about that. So a lot thrown your way. We got Peter Murray, CEO of PFL. He's our guest today. The latest news, all of it. We'll be right back. Let's just get it out of the way. How close has the collaborative list been towards your list? And not there are some things here and there that that are a little different. A couple of fighters that were anywhere near, I think, other people's radars mm-hmm. that made it onto my list. So there's a couple of things here and there, and then and then some people that I did have on the list that I just had in different spots that I think are. Is probably really going to bring up a lot of debate as we're uh, talking about everything on Tuesday. Does anything stand out to you as you being pretty fired up? Like, wait a minute, this was nowhere near what I thought. I got a problem. Mm, nah, not, not too bad. I think I'm in the same ballpark as you, even though... It's different from the list I turned in. In the end, I think it just fell into place, and therefore I'm happy. I accept that 
we all have the differing differing opinions. I think I saw. I guess let me think about this before I say it. I don't want to blow it, right? But we obviously know. Let's not be stupid here. We obviously know that there's some names that haven't been revealed, but I mean it's fairly obvious that John Jones will be one of the four left because today we released Habib Nurmagomedov. But I did see somebody turn in John Jones kind of high up there, man. I'm thinking, wow, like I guess you really must, you know, have a certain criteria different from the rest of us. I mean, I I, I honestly don't remember the name because you know me, I throw people under the bus, but uh, I was looking at it because we wanted to study each other's list and just so we could say, hey, fool, what was you thinking, you know? Yeah. So I'll have to go back there, brush up on it. But I did see one that was that was out there a little bit, and I thought, hmm, what's what's your reasoning here? Well, I think I think it's pretty obvious now that what probably what uh set that person off, because you can't argue John Jones's greatness. Um different people look at certain situations differently. Yeah, I guess uh, probably the steroids, right? Yeah. Steroid allegations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, folks, check it out, man. It's really had some great, healthy discussion online on social media, and I think we're down to the last four. Like I said, Habib Nurmagomedov come in at came in at number five. So check it out. Tell us what you think. And again, Tuesday uh, noon Eastern, nine a.m. Pacific. We'll kind of break it all down as a team. It'll be a special spinning back click show. Uh, in addition to the Monday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, we'll, we're, we will reflect on this past week, including UFC 295. So, look, speaking of UFC 295, we got a team out there, man. We got a squad. Ken Hathaway handling the video portion of what the website does, along with Mike Vaughn and Nolan King. Give them a follow, all studs in their respective fields. They're going to give you great coverage of the event. And so we've already kind of had some one-on-ones with the fighters. They still have to have the the whole uh, press conference and weigh-ins, and that'll be later in the week. But I'm telling you guys, I heard something today. I made a switch. I'm a big fan of Tom Maspinall. I love his footwork. I love his hand speed. It's amazing. I love the way he moves his head. He really, really floats like a butterfly and stings like a V. Plus, he's got ground game. But today, he was setting this table of reminding us how this is short notice. I'll do my best. Man, you can't do that against a killer like Sergey Pavlovich. I actually made a switch. I turned in Tom Aspinall early in the week. You know, and I'm only three, three picks behind Nolan King. It's the closest I've ever been. Mm-hmm. And I made a switch. I, I I'm on Sergey. I'm on Team Sergey. I'm on Team Sergey too. Um, that's just a big deal for me. Uh, when it, when a guy doesn't have the same opportunities as the other. Now, granted, it's a switch for Sergey too. You know, he's got to he's got to prepare for Aspinall. But to me, Pavlovich he just kind of reminds me of like a, a young young version of Fedor a little bit. You know, no matter where the fight ends up, he's still going to be dangerous. And I think we got, I think Aspinall's good. I don't know if he's great just yet. Um, He's very, very impressive. But if you're going to tell me one guy is already saying things like that, that, that's just not good. So, yeah, let's just say I went Aspinall the other way. 
I would have switched as well as soon as I heard that that mentality. And if I'm Pavlovich, I'm probably salivating at hearing things like that. And, you know, I wonder if Mick Maynard, Sean Shelby, Hunter Campbell, and Dana White, I wonder if when they hear this, they just have this eerie feeling of, did we just fuck up again? Because we just went through this with Kamaru Usman versus Hamza Shamayev. I'm convinced that if Usman had a full camp, he wins. I'm also convinced that, well, I don't have to be convinced. We saw it. We saw part one of Volkanovsky versus Makashev. And when he was well-prepared, this thing went down to the wire. Uh, in the second fight, Makashev blasted him, right? And mm-hmm. so that should have been a quick reminder of, Mm, these aren't these may not be the best ideas of quick fill-ins or whatever sure every once in a while the quick fill-in will come through and you know it kind of rescues you a little bit as a company but man stack these cards stack them so that it doesn't matter if you lose a fight it's still pay-per-view worthy and the significant ones like a ufc 295 30 year anniversary of the 300 that's coming up next year or the international fight week you know, a few months later, stack them, put something extra on them, you know. But, um, I mean, look, look, I got the words right here. Straight out of Aspinall's mouth goes, he said, two weeks isn't long enough to prepare for a fight. He's basically telling us he's probably 50% of himself, you know, going into this. Now, that said, Pavlich wasn't on the card either, but he was the alternate. And in my opinion, the alternate you probably usually gives you about 75% of what he has because he's got to prepare for two guys and he more than likely will not be fighting. But still, that's that's more than the fifty percent, you know. And so he and, and by the way, he's seventy five percent for the two guys that are supposed to fight. He's probably one hundred percent for the guy that's coming in on two weeks' notice. He's just that much better. He says, "I'm fighting the scariest guy in MMA, in my opinion, in the worst circumstances possible without a training camp." He said it himself. Goes, "I obviously think I can win. I'm not the kind of gunny guy who shows up for the money. I ain't signing a contract and showing up if I don't think I can win." But, you know, he, that's the end. Well, no, he continues. I truly and truly believe that I'm going to win on Saturday night. I'm an absolute winner, and I'm going to find a way to win regardless of the circumstances. But see, what I'm interpreting that goes is, of course you can win. You're a heavyweight. You can crack. But that doesn't mean that it's likely. You can, but it doesn't mean that it's likely. And against mm-hmm. a beast like that Russian, oof. Yeah. I did not, I did not like hearing that. I, I don't know. I mean, like, we were all kids at one point, and they, those are just the types of things that come out of your mouth when you have a little bit of fear, right? When you want to cover your ass. When you're at school all week going, bro, I'm the king of Madden. Just wait. And then it rolls around, and you hear somebody say, well, I mean, I haven't played this in a couple of weeks, you know, but you already know, right? Uh, or when you're playing basketball and somebody goes, let's play one-on-one. Well, you know, I've already had a couple games, so I'm a little – a little bit tired, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Like you just know that's just one of the signs, and it's not good. It's not good to hear that. But I, I on this one, I sort of give the UFC a pass because it's just a huge card, man. They they needed shit on this. Yeah, um, but it's I agree. I'll give them the pass in that they really. I mean, this one was pretty damn good job of rescuing a card that fell apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I hope, uh, especially off of what we saw in Saudi Arabia, I really hope today we, we talked to Mark Madsen and he did say that the fight kits are going to be a little bit different. And, and I'm glad to hear that. Just something, man. I'm not saying you got to roll out the ramp and 
fireworks and, and rappers and, and all kinds of people out there performing. But just give us something that's that's going to really make us feel like we're watching something important, something a little different than all the others. Yeah, and a quick message to Venom. Fix those gloves. They were falling apart on a recent card that I just saw. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was that specific glove. To, to be fair, it's the first time I've seen it all year because they've been waiting wearing those 30-year gloves pretty much all of 2023. But, uh, yeah, that was an ugly scene. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it was Sao Paulo, right? It was on the Sao Paulo card. Yeah, I think it was in the main event. Wasn't it like on Almeida's head or some piece of it? Yeah. yeah, so Saturday's 295, UFC 295, the watch along. Don't forget, 8 Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Myself and Goes will we'll, uh, we'll, we'll watch the fights along with you guys. Nine fights total, four on the prelims, five on the main card. 296 is December 16th in Las Vegas. Colby Covington challenges Leon Edwards. Brandon Royville challenges uh, Alexander Pantoja. All right, so. We also got news earlier this week. We know what 297, 298, and 299 look like. 297, January 20th, it's not Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makashev. Instead, Sean Strickland are defend against Drikas Duplessis. Now, I spoke to our Triple G audience goes about this, but I want to get your thoughts. What do you think of that matchup? I love it. I mean, it makes sense. It's what's supposed to happen. It's unfortunate that it feels like, well, I guess this is what we're going to do, you know, on their part. Uh, it it, it would have been nice for it just to, to be the fight, the way it falls falls into place, because he's the guy that deserves to be there. And I love that it's that it's happening. I don't know how to make what to make of, like, hey, he stood his ground, because I, I don't feel like maybe that's why he got it. I feel like he just got it because of circumstances, but he deserves to be the guy. And it's a good fight. So the second you get through all the politics and you sit down, sit down and you break it down, you go, okay, well, who wins? It's pretty interesting because you can make cases for both guys. Um, I, I love the matchup itself. I kind of – Drikas, I thought, has looked good in certain moments, but there are certain moments where I didn't think he looked so good. Now, he looked incredible against Whitaker, but I don't know if that was just an – out-of-body experience or what? I'm not going to say Whitaker had a bad night because I don't believe he really does. I just think Drikas had a really good night. Now, Sean Strickland is very consistent with certain things, certain aspects of his fight. So it, it's interesting. I, I To me, I have Strickland kind of in the driver's seat, but not by much. Mm-hmm. It's January 20th in Toronto, Canada. And it's the same card where Raquel Pennington is going to fight Myra Bueno Silva. So two title fights for Toronto, but no Charles Oliveira and no Islam Makachev. And uh, as far as that fight goes, when you put a clinic on Israel Adesanya, there's something to your strategy. You know, I've seen Sean fight so much, not just in fights, but in the um, training, right? And it's all pretty consistent, and it's just high volume pressure. He's not the hardest hitter in the division. He'll tell you that, but he just does not stop coming. Now, that said, Jacobs Duplessis, he had this surgery to correct the breathing problems that he would have because he looked like a gasser, although to his credit, he wouldn't fade. He would just kind of expand his chest like 
hey, I'm ready to get out of here, but he would still go and and figure things out and, and win. But what he did against Whitaker was amazing, not just on the feet, but on the ground. Mm-hmm. And if he can do that, he can get Strickland on the ground. He's a live dog for sure. In fact, he, I'll pull up the odds in just a second to see who is the dog and who is the favorite. Poor Sean Strickland is in favorite in many of, fi- of his fights as of late, but he's the world champ, and that's all that matters. Go ahead. And he even has, like, uh, when it comes down to a little bit of smack talk, he's probably not going to be the one the, that initiates it, but he holds his own. He has this weird way of kind of answering back that I enjoy. So uh, I, I think even that side of the fight could be built up. So I'm I'm all in on this one. I love this fight. Me too. And you nailed it when you said it's just what's supposed to happen. And that when it when it goes down like that, it really just kind of makes me a little bit of a happy camper because um, that's what I look for from the UFC. They're the leader. They got resources. They got money. They got great fighters, an amazing stable. There's just very little reason why we will always shouldn't see a number one versus a number two, unless they fought already a few times and we can't like the featherweight division with Holloway and Volkanovsky, you know, it's what they should strive for. Um, do they need to sell a million pay-per-views, 500,000 pay-per-views, you know, 1.5? It doesn't hurt, right? But I, I don't, they're just not at that point anymore. Now I think they can just function as a company. And guess what? You can build new stars. I, dude, I'm telling you, there's no way the UFC thought that Strickland was going to beat Israel Adesanya the way they did. They thought Adesanya was going to wax him, and then maybe him and Duplessis could meet up and settle this whole King of Africa thing. Instead, Strickland goes in, spoils the party, and now all of a sudden he's kind of a big deal, you know? And now the UFC will probably rally behind him. Well, guess what? You were sending this guy to Australia to get served up. Little did you know that he was kind of a star in the making. So that's what happens when you do kind of give some opportunities. Um, you know, and, and just because someone might be a quiet fellow or gal at number two and your champion you know is might not sell a bunch of interviews you know it, it's still pure it's what the sport's all about and a star may come out of it so we'll see in fact i've been critical of pennington and my Buena so i haven't been excited about that matchup but right. then i think on spinning back click we said well what else are they going to do and when i heard that i was like yeah i guess you're right i just got to back this fight and see what comes out of it yeah because we can't we can't be speaking out of both sides of our mouths right like that if we're going to champion what's right this is a scenario where this is probably what's right as well so uh, hopefully they put on a good fight and they shut us up and even if it's not a good fight i mean not every fight is going to be a barn burner but it's the correct fight to make mm-hmm. they also have- announced ufc 298 alex volkanovsky versus Ilya Taporia. we're hearing that this is going to take place february 17th and furthermore this might occur in california Anaheim to be specific. Now, don't hold it to hold us to that. That's just a rumor that's been floating around. We'll see. But that's a clear number one against a clear number two. So yet again, I'm happy about the way things are stacking up in 2024. What did you think of this matchup? You know, I think it's just enough time for for Volkanovsky. I'll put it to you this way: If I'm Taporia, I'm very happy about this matchup. Volkanovsky, I think, had just enough time where it's a border where you go well all right he's not going to set out a year because he got knocked down knocked out but at the same time he's not jumping in there the next day right like he might have a little bit of a rest period and still be able to, to put together his his camp but if i'm taporia 
I honestly, I honestly think Alex needed a little bit more time mm -hmm. uh, to really come back 100% and shake everything off. I get it, dude. The guy's a competitor, and he just wants to get back in there. But I do think you need to let your body, you need to let your brain rest a little bit more. So I think this couldn't have worked out any better for Taporia. That's going to be a great fight, and I don't care. I've said it before. Volkanovski's maybe my favorite fighter, if not one of. But there's no way you take a, a KO like that and come back the same guy. Mm -hmm. I would agree. I mean, Toporia looks like he's a, you know, a savage, just ready to pounce and mm -hmm. end this whole Volkanovski reign. But how can anyone with a right mind ever doubt Volkanovski when all he's done is shut everyone up for like the last... I don't know how long he's been in the UFC, 10 years, eight years. He just literally, and he gets better. He gets better. He's very honest about his wins and his losses. Um, so it's hard. It really, really is hard to go against him. I would say that, yeah, I would have preferred Volkanovski go last because we'll talk about UFC 299 in just a second. Um, but what's happening here is Volkanovski and Strickland are defending before O'Malley, who's at, on the 299 card yet O'Malley fought earlier in 2023. So does that make sense? No. Are there injuries and stuff we probably don't know about? Sure. But it's made, the fight's made. These are grown adults, grown men and women that do know what they're doing. And, you know, in, in 2023, Poetan, Alex Fajeda got knocked the fuck out by Alex, uh, sorry, Israel Adesanya in Miami in April. Then he comes back and beats a former champion. Close split decision in Utah against Jan Blachowicz. Took some shots from, from Jan Blachowicz, but he gambled on himself, and now he's in a position to win a title, uh, a second title in a, in a different weight class on Saturday. So crazy sport, man. It really is really is a crazy sport, but um, I'm sure, look, to give the UFC credit, I'm sure they probably even thought of that. You know, hey, can we give this guy a little bit more rest? Who knows? But Sean O'Malley's a pretty big star from them. I'm sure they probably started with him and then started filling the spots but let's get to that o'malley ufc 299 he's got marlon vera now look i have no problem with 297 duplessis the number one contender i have no problem with 298 uh Tuforia, number one contender do i have a problem with o'malley vera in the sense that is it gonna is the fight gonna suck no i don't think so do they have history do they have heat yep on both so that part's kind of exciting but Vera got thumped by um I space it on his name, the guy from Colorado, uh Corey Sanhagen, right? That's one. And two, how about Marab Devalashvili, who's just been a destroyer for the most part? He got injured, but I heard he could make it to a December fight. I thought for sure a March fight. Where's this guy at? Like that we really kind of had a few options before we get there. O'Malley, big name. He probably had a say in this. He wants Vera because it's his only loss. So maybe that was the defining thing. But, man, what could have just been a perfect trifecta of an announcement? One versus two, one versus two. Now we're kind of getting like one versus uh, four or five or something like that. Yeah, we need to get an answer on that because that is uh, that is the name that made the most sense. Um, I think we all felt, though, from the, from the get-go that it was just going to go down this way. Because if you look at it from different perspectives, you understand why. They're trying to do that. I feel like Sean O'Malley maybe has a little bit more power uh, mm -hmm. than some other fighters. I'm not saying he has Conor McGregor power, but yeah, I think he's he's got enough. I think 
the UFC's realized that uh, people gravitate to him. And, and dude, to be fair, he's kind of winning me over. He's cracking me up here uh, with some of the things he, he says, some of the things he does. But uh, I, I had a feeling we would all, and I think we, we talked about this on a spinning back click, that we would all probably end up in this position where it is Vera. But I'd like to hear um, the exact reason why it wasn't uh, Rab. Mm-hmm. We're hearing March 9th, by the way, but I don't know a location. Now, for the past seven or eight years, the first week in March, the UFC is in Vegas. But I don't think so, because I did a little bit of research a few months ago, and I looked at the uh, T-Mobile schedule, and they had Madonna, who had rescheduled the concert, and a lot of hoops, NCAA hoops, for those weekends in March. And it didn't look like the UFC could pull something off. But let's connect some dots. Um, UFC 300... How's that not gonna be in Las Vegas? And that'll probably take in place take place in April. So I could see 299, the UFC just maybe straying away from that little uh run of fights that they've had, you know, in Las Vegas in early March and just saying we'll go to another city and then for 300 come back rather than go back to back months. Now, what city that might be, I don't know. Same guy that told us, you know, that. 298 could be in California, threw out a bunch of other cities, but now we're just throwing darts at a dartboard and hoping we can hit it. But it's kind of like your typical Abu Dhabi. That's usually in October. I think we, I think I heard of Miami in there somewhere. Um, maybe that would make sense. Who knows? But it's, it, that's a wild card guessing game. So I just think that that card won't be in Vegas, but 300 will, uh, which is weird because O'Malley kind of really likes fighting in Vegas. It's close to home. And he's big on that whole not getting taxed, you know, in a certain state or in a certain country thing. So uh, what do I know? Maybe they do go back to back in Las Vegas, but I'm pretty sure the T-Mobile wasn't allowing for a March 9th date, but that's what we're hearing. Yeah. Uh, I think it was New York, right? That he had a big, big problem with where he said he'd never fight there ever again. Possibly. Yeah. You know, exactly. one, one thing that we failed to mention too, in this whole thing is where does that Al- Aljamain Sterling fall? And all this, right? Like, mm. let's just say this is all right. This is the fight. Then you have to imagine Marab would be next after that. But at the same time, Aljamain Sterling was one of the guys that we were talking about, maybe possibly being the goat of the division. Mm-hmm. And he didn't deserve a rematch. Maybe he didn't. Maybe they didn't want to insult him. Yeah, it's kind of bizarre, to be honest. Um, I don't think. I mean, that does leave Sanhagen. Sterling and Marab out in the cold. What might happen with them? I have no idea, but it sounds like a a fight night type, you know, type of these these are fight night type names, headliners for whatever fight nights they have. But who might go against who? Well, we know Marab won't face Sterling, and Corey's already faced Sanhagen. I don't believe I'm looking real quick that he's faced Marab. So Marav versus Sterling might uh hold on, let me get this straight. Marav versus uh Sanhagen might make some sense. And then as far as Sterling goes, mm, I mean Peter Yan, they've already ran it twice. Mm-hmm. So Hudo, he just beat him. The winner of Davis and Figueroa versus Rob Font, I suppose. Uh the winner of Chris Gutierrez against Song Yadong, I suppose. And uh, yeah, it might just be him That's a having to take 
yeah. having to take someone else or maybe test the waters of 145. Uh, there's Omar Nurmagomedov who's undefeated at 16-0. Maybe they put him against Sterling. Who knows? But all I know is this. Whoever does fight out of Marav, Sanhagen, just go out there and do your best to win and finish. I think that catapults you to the top. Because other than that, if you really go to a decision, you leave it in the voice in the hands of the UFC. Right. Yeah. So there you have it, folks. The trifecta of announcements, big ones too. And we gave you all the information we could. March 9th for UFC 299. Don't know the location. February 17th. For UFC 298, we're here in California, possibly Anaheim. And UFC uh, 297, we know for a fact, Toronto on January 20th. Uh, Strickland Duplessis, Meyer Bueno Silva versus Raquel Pennington. Why do they keep right now? Why do they keep picking? Why do they keep picking places that are probably the most difficult for Sean Strickland to get into? (laughs) That's true, huh? Hey, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Chris Curtis fought on the same card as Amanda Nunes when she beat Irene Aldana, and it was Vancouver. Hold on. Let me look this up. And I'm pretty sure we asked him, hey, is Strickland in your corner? And he said no, and he joked around because he said he had gotten in some trouble. And and remember, he had problems getting into Canada as well. Or Sorry, not Canada, Australia. So maybe well, the UFC finally cleared all that. But you're right. That does That does raise that question. I don't know. Yeah, it seems like uh, I've seen. <laughs> I don't know. Chris Curtis fought Nasruddin Imovov. That's the one that ended in a no contest, accidental clash of heads. And yeah, Strickland couldn't accompany him because they corner each other. And he kind of joked with us and said, yeah, you know, he's kind of had a little bit of a past and he won't be able to make it. And I heard that was the problem with him in Australia, but somehow I guess they got cleared and maybe that clears him. I mean, every country's different, but maybe that clears him for Canada, too. I mean, I really doubt the UFC would make this announcement if they hadn't crossed right. that T, dotted that I, and squigg- squiggly that Q, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, before we get to some other stuff, why don't we catch up with our guests? His name is Peter Murray. He's the CEO of PFL. We got a lot of questions for him, uh, not just about, obviously, Nganu, the future PFL, but this is our first chance to chat with them and I'm really looking forward to it we'll be right back what's going on Junkie Nation gorgeous George and Goes always deliver the big names here in the sport of mixed martial arts Today we get to chat with Peter Murray, the CEO of PFL. PFL has a huge show coming up on Black Friday, November 24th. It is their finals, six title fights, all right, taking place along with a lot of featured matches with some of their biggest names. It is going to be a doozy. It is a pay-per-view. You can order it on ESPN+. Peter, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? Did you just smash a lunch or are you about to smash a lunch? Yeah, no, I smashed the lunch and uh, excited to talk to you guys. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, hey, let me ask you, this Nganu thing won't go away. The buzz is still there. I still get asked about it. I'm down in South America right now, and everybody still keeps asking me, what's next? What do you think of the fight? How'd you score the fight? Everything. How about from your end? I, I want to know about the entertainment people that you know, the, the sporting people that you know. What's been their feedback about PFL's biggest star? 
Oh, no, Francis, he's not going away. You know, so Francis is on a mission. He put on an incredible performance. We all know that. And, uh, you know, he really won that fight. But uh, he won everybody's hearts, proved everybody wrong. And so now uh, it's on to the next chapter and, and next year. Uh, you know, we launch our pay-per-view division. Francis will be uh, a big part of that. So he'll return to uh, the cage with the PFL. We'll be announcing those details, you know, I would say in the coming weeks uh in terms of opponent and timing uh working through that and uh you know francis is going to continue to box uh we'll see if there's a rematch or uh there's an i know there's a number of uh, uh big time boxers who uh who now want to now saw that francis is absolutely the the best combat sports athlete on the on the planet and has all the skill in the world in boxing so it's uh, it's going to be exciting to watch do you want him to box? And does it have to be Fury or can it be anyone else? Well, hey, that's Francis's decision, but we're supportive of Francis, uh, you know, both in boxing as well as MMA. We're, we're excited to get going in MMA with our um, Super Fights pay-per-view division. And, uh, you know, but outside of that, you know, Francis will, uh, will definitely get back into the ring. And um, whether it's a rematch or, you know, a major new you know, opponent about, um, uh, it'll be next level because Francis is that, you know, he's got that experience now under the belt, a little added confidence, and uh, he'll continue to go to work. So uh, all the storylines are there for him. Is this based off of his great performance? In other words, let's say he had gone in there and just hadn't been his night and he decisively lost. Would we have turned the chapter on that book, you know, in that book and just pivoted towards MMA? Is, is, is that where we're at right now because of how great he did? Now we're more towards still writing more, more words in that chapter. Yeah, I mean, France is not going away either way. So, I mean, you know, here he is, first professional boxing bout, and he fights the number one heavyweight in the world. That's his debut. So, um, you know, Francis is determined to take on the sport. Um, and uh, so I, I just think it's, it's exciting for all combat sports. And, and more to come. And, and and with respect to Francis, he's also going to work with the PFL. I mean, we will be making announcements regarding the launch of PFL Africa, which will launch in 2025. You know, Francis at the helm as chairman. Uh, we have a number of partnerships in place that will, uh, you know, the, the foundation of that league is, is pretty much, um, you know, it's being built and almost set. And uh, that'll be you know, a big part of his legacy uh, in terms of paving the way for the next great athletes and fighters coming you know, from the continent of Africa. So Francis is very passionate about that. And there is you know, uh, an incredible um, amount of talent um, in Africa that have, have really been looking you know, for this opportunity to put more resources, help build the ecosystem in sports in Africa not just drop in events and leave. Uh, so, uh, you know, that, that's also part of the story uh, in terms of Francis uh, as, a, uh, as an MMA fighter, as a boxer, and now as uh, a leader of, uh, you know, um, PFL Africa, which will be the number one leading MMA organization on the continent. When will we hear the announcements? Perhaps at the finals? You know, we'll see. You know, uh, we're, we're, we're talking about that right now and, um, you know, finalizing a few things. And if, if it's not at the championship, we have a number of other things to announce, you know, uh, Thanksgiving and uh, fight week, uh, certainly by the end of the year. What do you say to those? And I'll include myself. I don't want to be a hypocrite and hide behind that. 
that say this growth it's it's amazing we applaud you but is it too much for the mma fans for mma media to appropriately cover everything that's happening because as you know ufc bellator we don't know what the future is one championship there's just so much that happens it really sometimes it's hard to keep keep track of everything and i'm sure you would always want spotlights on your huge events but when there's multiple events sometimes it's difficult yeah you know hey listen we i think we do a good job you know we're on espn so with our global season product uh we don't we don't compete or conflict with the ufc you know the ufc fans a pfl fan you know we serve up um an innovative premium product you know great fights great fighters but that's differentiated you know with the season format on a different night of the week for the same fan so you know we, we don't see any issues there and we'll be smart the way we schedule you know our select mega mega events within our super fights division and um you know what i would say to you like to wrap this is there this the the demand among consumers around the world for more quality mma is so high there's so much more growth ahead I mean, you talk about covering a sport. How about covering, you know, the world's number one sport in soccer or football where you have, you know, nine major leagues that have the best talent in the world. And I couldn't tell you how many matches are in a given week, let alone a month or a year. So um, there's really limited product, you know, at the, at the highest level in terms of quality, like, you know, what the PFL is delivering uh, right alongside, you know, the UFC. So um, the demand is there among fans, the demand is there, you know, for media companies distributing our product. Uh, and we have a great roster of, of some of the best sports, uh, you know, companies, uh, media companies and platforms in the world. We distribute to 160 countries. And, you know, the fighter, you know, athletes around the world, you know, fighters around the world are looking for an alternate, are looking for proper pathways and to support them professionally at the regional level and an opportunity to get to the global stage. So, we know what we're solving for, you know, for fighters, you know, for media companies and fans. Peter, you mentioned the pay-per-view division that's about to start. Can you maybe uh, share with us, is it difficult balancing who's going to be doing seasons, who's going to be doing pay-per-views? I'm sure a lot of fighters are showing interest maybe even in both. Can you maybe elaborate a little bit on that? And, and one thing that we really get excited for are those free agent signings. Are we going to see more of those soon? Yeah, I mean, I'll answer that first. Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're definitely propelling fighters to go into free agency. You know, it's their right. They should, you know, uh, seek alternatives, weigh their options. And so you'll see more and more, you know, top fighters in the sport from around the world. You know, fighters who are, are ranked in the top 10, certainly the top 20. Um, you know, now that the PFL, um, we have the momentum that we have. We have the global platform. We have great talent. And uh, we get behind the fighters, you know, they, they have the opportunity to make more money and uh, control their destiny in a different way. Um, so, you know, competition is good. You know, we'll help grow the sport and, uh, and build a league around the world. So, yeah, more to come on uh, free agent signings. And, um, you know, and your, your first question um, uh, with respect to, I mean, what do you want me to comment on there? Uh, as far as pay-per-view and, and the season, what fighters are who goes are, where? You know, yeah, yeah. You know, listen. It's 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 you know. It's, there's art and science to it. Um, in that you know, we want to make sure that all of our fights, you know, around the season, we have you know the very best athletes, 
um, at that stage of their career. You know, we, we have six weight classes today in the global season, five men's, one women, only 10 spots, you know, highly coveted spots from some of the best athletes around the world. Uh, we have over 35 nations represented on that roster. So we curate it based on, you know, the best athletes from all over the world and different, different countries. So there's a whole force ranking system, you know, Ray Seffo and the team, you know, they, they have criteria year over year to elevate not only the global season fighter roster, but weight class by weight class. And, uh, you know, we retain the top performers, you know, those champions, as well as, you know, other exciting fighters who make it to the postseason or showing us something. And then each year you got a fresh product. You know, we have new talent coming in to take on those top performers, to take on those champions. And that's why it's fun for the fan. I mean, there's a beginning, middle and end each year. And then each year, it's a fresh product. Um, and so how we, you know, deploy the, the talent is, is really based on the skill of a fighter, what we think makes a, a good weight class. And uh, with respect to pay-per-view, um, you know, listen, the top of the card, you know, in terms of main event or co-main event, those will likely be, you know, many of those fighters will be new fighters coming into the league, you know, some, of, some of the best in the world, again, in terms of top five, top ten ranking. But other fighters within, you know, our organization have the opportunity to get to that that level, not only in Super Fights Division, but on those main events. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, Kayla Harrison and, and, and others who, uh, you know, can, can draw and, and compete on that type of stage. But the good news is we have options for fighters. And we have, and we have great options and opportunities for fans to engage in, our all of our franchises you know from from the global league season to pay-per-view to the international leagues year round i mean next year we'll have over 30 events peter let me tell you let me tell you a little story about something that really scared me george and i we're from vegas here and mm -hmm. i know you're in new york in our lives when a big fight is announced we usually look at the guys at new york and they look at us and they go who's getting this one it's either there for the fight capital of the world. Yep. What happened in Saudi Arabia absolutely blew my mind. Is this something we have to worry about? Is this going to be the future of not just combat sports, but sports in general seem to be going that way? What can you tell us about what you saw? And maybe even if you learned something like that the PFL would want to try that they like uh, seeing that weekend. Yeah, no, what I would say about, you know, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, clearly there's a, there's a, a strategy to be a leader in, in global sports from a business perspective and investment perspective. And, you know, within, within KSA regionally, um, you know, the opportunity to, um, you know, develop, you know, uh, sports uh, within combat sports overall and other sports at the grassroots level, the Olympic level, the pro level, you know, the desire and the commitment is there you know, because of all the benefits of sports, you know, for for fans as, as well as, you know, giving, you know, athletes an opportunity. So we're really excited and proud to, to play a role in that. Um, and with respect to ensuring that um, Saudi Arabia is, is really at the, the epicenter of MMA, the growth sport, you know, of this decade globally and regionally. Uh, we are focused on, you know, working with our partners uh, in Saudi Arabia to ensure that, uh, you know, they're building out uh, the right ecosystem, you know, including, you know, mega events. Uh, we're launching a regional, you know, league in PFL Mina as well next year. Um, and, you know, we'll be making announcements related to um, our investment to, uh, you know, 
develop, you know, elite athletes from around the world and throughout um, the Middle East um, at the highest level. So I think it's an exciting time. And we're, once again, we're, we're excited to be a part of it. And what I would say to you, what I would say to you regarding Vegas and New York, you know, where I am, look at the event that they put on. It was a, it was a spectacle. You know, when you think about, you know, the entertainment value, the celebrity to it and the build to that event. I mean, you know, talk about the atmosphere that I, I was fortunate enough to be there at supporting Francis. But, you know, you, know, you, you see it, you know, the, the production value, uh, the conversation, you know, the media about it. It was world class. It was Super Bowl like and um, there's more to come. And, you know, what I would say is. I don't think Vegas needs to be worried because it's always going to play a role with the legacy. Uh, certainly, you know, here in New York with the Garden and elsewhere. But there's there's more room for more than uh, you know a couple of leaders as uh, you know as powerhouse fight capitals, and uh, it's on in Saudi Arabia for sure. Peter, I think one thing that we've all been able to appreciate about the PFL is you guys think outside the box. You're not afraid to try new things. When I heard Deontay Wilder and Francis Ngannou and possibly hybrid rules, I thought that's interesting. Uh, but that could mean a lot of different things. What do you think would be kind of like a fair hybrid rules match between those two? Yeah, it's a great question. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a conversation. So, I mean, you can eliminate a number of things from, from elbows to, uh, some, you know, submissions and you know keep kick kick kicks in and take and you know takedowns i think it would be interesting but you know there's a range of things you can do you know the, here's the minimum here's the maximum depending upon the opponent's right skills so uh but we're gonna have fun with that you know whether it's this fight with francis and and deontay or or other upcoming bouts that you know will will blend different styles but not necessarily deploy you know, all the disciplines of MMA, which I think is cool. Do you think that's what Don Davis meant when he said there's just not anything interesting in pure MMA? It almost seemed like, and I'm not trying to start stuff here, Peter, um, a little disparaging towards the current heavyweight class that you guys have. And I'm thinking you guys have two great fighters fighting uh, in the final, Goldsoft, Goldsoft and Fajeda. I'd love yeah. to see the winner fight them. But at the same time, I thought maybe he's got his, a little bit of a promoter hat and he is leaning us towards Wilder. And that's why he specified Pierre MMA. What did you gather from his comments? No, listen, I think, I mean, Don's you know, super straightforward. He's so passionate and honest. I mean, listen, we have options. I mean, we have fighters that can come up through our system, including those heavyweights, and make it up to pay per view. Uh, but for this first fight with, with Francis, um, you know, we're, we're excited about the conversation with Deontay, and, and that would require, you know, some modified rules. And so are we. I mean, I, I've seen Deontay many times in Vegas. I think he's an outstanding boxer, uh, represented the United States. So, I mean, I'd be happy to see that as well. Um, but I would love to see Francis back in MMA or MMA guy. So I guess maybe we're partial to that. Um, all right, just a couple more things here, and then we'll let you smash dessert or... No, I'm good. Drink waiting for you. Okay. No, no, um, I'm good. Middle of the day. Tell, here. Us, tell us something. We're not we're not media at this moment for this question. We're not media. We're fans asking you. Give us something on what's going on with these Bellator women. We're excited, man. This could be huge for you guys, or maybe 
there isn't anything, but can you can you tell us anything? Yeah, no, listen, it's been out there, and you know, we're certainly uh, we're in it, and it's not done until it's done, and um, you know, when that happens, and uh, we'll, we'll be sharing those details. So, you know, we, we wouldn't have spent this amount of time if we didn't think there was value in uh, the PFL brand. Um, uh, they're they're incredible fighters, but you know, there is an opportunity to. Um, candidly contemporize you know that brand and uh i think give more purpose you know to the product and uh and the events um so you know we we, we do have a point of view we do have a plan you know should that deal get done and um we'll, we'll be uh potentially making some announcements very soon we'll see is there anything you could tell us about that plan again we're fans do these guys join these regular season format or does this spruce up the arena series, the pay-per-view series? Yeah, no, we'll be sharing those. It's a great question. And, uh, you know, we'll be sharing those details, you know, should the deal happen. Fair enough. That was something. Because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've been waiting for a while now. We love covering. They got some fabulous athletes. And so do you guys. You can imagine the matchmaking potential there. You know what I mean? Uh, it would really be pretty outstanding, um, which will allow me to pivot to PFLW. Uh, you guys seem to be very invested in this. I think you guys have done a great job of acquiring some great talent. Aspen Ladd, for example, Julia Budd. You've homegrown some talent. There's a rivalry between Pacheco and, and Harrison. Great stuff. We really, really uh, dig it. But what can you tell us about what else comes in the future of PFLW as far as other weight classes? Yeah, no, uh, great question. We're, we're excited about women, you know, in, you know, in sport and women in MMA or in combat sports. And uh, we have some of the best women in all of combat sports. You're looking at champion boxers. You know, Amanda Serrano's came over. You know, obviously Savannah Marsh has come over. She, she really wants that rematch uh, with Caressa and do that in the cage. And we're going to set that fight up, um, which will be epic. I mean, you know, their fight in London was the most viewed uh, women's uh, professional boxing event in uh, UK history. Uh, so to have that rematch or a follow-on fight uh, in MMA in the cage uh, uh, between the two, we think, you know, major global event, uh, a fight that fans would want to see. And to see these women, you know, adapt from boxing. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they're competing at the highest level, championship caliber, you know, athletes in boxing, and humbly coming over to you know, one of the hardest sports there is in MMA and, and to dig in and find their superpowers in all these different disciplines and uh, to do it humbly and exposing it to the world. Um, you know, we think it's uh, pretty bold. So we're, we're, we're excited about women in the sport and PFLW, what it really represents is three pillars, you know, the PFL focused on number one, empowering women inside and outside of the cage, you know, two, providing equal opportunity uh, for women, including equal compensation, and three, a dedicated platform, you know, for these great women to uh, compete, you know, on a global stage and share their voices, their stories, uh, their moms, and they have incredible, uh, you know, they have other interests and um, focus in their life beyond being professional athletes. And, you know, we're really excited to, um, you know, to give these women an opportunity not only to compete as major athletes, but uh, to share their voices. And so we'll We'll integrate women, you know, we integrate women, uh, you know, bouts within within our events globally and, and regionally within PFL Europe. And on your question regarding developing different weight classes, we're really excited about women's 125. 
Um, we're developing that weight class in, uh, in PFL Europe. Uh, you'll see more 125ers, you know, come over to the PFL. And, you know, over time, we, we could see uh, women's 125 making up to the global stage uh, in the global league season. Great stuff. All right. Two more quick ones, and then we'll, we'll close strong. Um, USADA, you guys coming – to an agreement with USADA, how much better are you going to be able to sleep at night? What what does that mean for your company? Yeah, you know, I think it was just a natural evolution. We've, we've been talking about it for, you know, a number of years. And um, and again, the program that, that our team, our company has, has in place is, is definitely top notch. But, uh, you know, USADA is, is the leader and they bring more resources, more testing and you know, there's different criteria and uh, we think it's good for the sport and uh, it's good for the PFL at this time. So it just gives us added resources and, you know, a way to, to, to manage it all. So uh, we're, we're rolling that out. That, that was rolled out, you know, earlier this year and we'll continue with that program. You were really excited when you talked about free agency. I'm of the opinion that when I've seen it in other sports, because I've grown up watching sports all my life, it, there's a, it benefits the athletes. For example, in pro football or basketball, we know what the clubs are offering the athletes. Most of the time they go towards a little bit more money, but a lot of times it's team loyalty, whatever. But it's out in the open. And I've also felt like that's what's helped their, their salaries grow. Uh, as you know, in the UFC, that's kept quiet. PFL does throw some numbers out there. France is being able to get $2 million for his future opponent, for example. I thought that was outstanding. I thought that was, you know... Um, Groundbreaking, you know, uh, when Pettis's salary was released in 2022 when they fought in Georgia. Again, a real big eye opener. How do you feel about that? Do you feel like it should be kept under wraps or do you like it being out there in the open as this helps other fighters, sorry, other athletes in other sports? Yeah, well, I would agree. Free agency is great for the fighters. And um, so, you know, more to come there and how it grows the sport. Um, two, you know, with respect to, you know, transparency, we're a transparent company. And, you know, as, as we look at it, the opportunity to bring great talent to the PFL and develop talent within, you know, no matter the athlete or, or the sport, you know, what athletes want any sport, you know, if you're at the top of the game, you know, the opportunity to compete right against against um, against, you know, top talent or against the best you know, largest possible stage, right? As well as, uh, you know, the opportunity to become champion and all that comes with it, including, you know, getting paid. And we provide added incentives for fighters to uh, increase their compensation as well as, um, you know, with our league season product, you know, a year ending, you know, million dollar paycheck on top of that. It's life-changing money. So we're transparent about, uh, transparent about it. And um, but, you know, not all contract details can be aired out, you know, in the media with fans. And, you know, we manage things accordingly. Like I said, we're going to close strong here. Clay Collard versus OAM. OAM has a chance to make, make some history joining the few fighters that have won two titles at PFL. And at the same time, we were telling him the other day, I think he's Mount Rushmore, Canadian MMA. And I think he seemed to agree, but he knows that. You know, he could really, really uh, finish things off here nicely against Clay Collard. Clay Collard has to be one of the most exciting fighters on your roster. His fights, you just can't miss them. Talk about that fight uh, between OAM and Clay Collard. Yeah, I mean, you touched on OAM. He's uh, he gets he, he's gotten better and better year over year. He's obviously 
you know, won the championship last year. He's looking to really create a mark as a two-time champion. And not only is he, you know, a proud Canadian, you know, he, he's definitely a proud PFL, you know, champion and, and ambassador. He really is. I mean, he's incredibly skilled. Obviously, he's got GSP, uh, you know, um, support. Uh, great program, you know, of TriStar. Um, and with respect to Clay, you cannot, you know, you cannot, um, you, you know, discount what, what he can bring. Um, you know, he's he's had a lot of adversity, you know, over the last, you know, couple of years. But, you know, he's staying focused on his career and on competing. And, you know, you don't like his style. Is, you don't know what he's going to bring. So, you know, we put it at the top of the card for a reason. And uh, it should be fun. And then, you know, we have five other, you know, uh, championship fights, six title fights in one night, you know, each earning a belt and, and a big check, uh, as well as, you know, the, the return of Kayla Harrison. And we have Ray Cooper, um, you know, on the card as well. So it's stacked. You know, you have uh, Ali Muhammad, I'm sorry, uh, Biagio Ali Walsh on the card and it's great to see him as an amateur, you know, take this sport on the way he has on with a spotlight, you know, another fighter that's explosive and is getting better and better. And, you know, we'll see next year when he goes pro. We're, we're looking forward to that moment. Phenomenal athlete. I saw him play high school football for Bishop Gorman. The way he's transition has been amazing. Um, I do want to say Goldsoft and Fajeda, that's just can't miss. All five of their wins between the two of them have ended with a finish and all in the first round. Six five versus six eight. I mean, someone's getting thumped in this fight. These guys, they, they don't play around. No, no. I mean, both of them. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. And like the heavyweights, and, and we'll see. I think Francis may join us for a little commentary. You know, uh, during dur during that uh, fight, so it'll be fun. I'd love to see a year that has a Wilder Francis Ngannou fight, a Fury versus Ngannou fight part two, maybe later in the year. But the winner of this fight, I think hopefully he can earn himself a shot at uh, the Cameroonian, the beast, the best athlete, the, the baddest man on the planet, Francis Ngannou. Uh, folks, like Peter Murray said, there's six title fights. All right, you got Derek Brunson coming over. He's going to be facing off against Ray Cooper. You got Julia Budd, former Bellator champion, against Kayla Harrison. I mean, it's been that, that's been a, a fight that's been in the works for a long time. The six title fights, like we mentioned, a million dollars to each winner, all on the 24th. It's a Friday out at the Anthem in Washington, D.C. You got to tune in. And if you can't get there in person, you can watch it on ESPN Plus, $49.99. That's a perfect price uh, for anybody that's got any types of complaints. You're getting, trust me, they're going to over deliver. You're probably going to want to tip these fighters if you can. Peter, thank you so much for this time. I'm sorry we went a little long. You're harder to book than Lionel Messi from Inter Milan. Come on. We come finally, on now. We finally got you. Um, come on now. We, we appreciate the time. <laughs> no, I, I, you're, you're a busy guy, but uh, it's been fun talking to you. We've been wanting to talk to you. So yeah, no, I, I, of, course, of course. I enjoy you guys. I appreciate you guys. And what I would say about, you know, our world championship, just give the gift of fighting this holiday on Black Friday with the PFL World Championship. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's Let's right. go. Yeah, Magomed, Magomed, Josh Silver, the card is stacked. Thanks, Peter, for the time. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Peace. Take care. Take Later. Care. See you. Take it easy, Peter Murray. I was just joking about the Inter Milan and Leo Messi joke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, 
I'm not going to lie to you. That was done a few hours earlier in the day, and that's why we you, you heard us talk about lunch. But thank you to PFL and Peter Murray. He was really gracious with his time. I thought he gave great answers, honest answers, transparent answers. And guess what, goes? I mean, I felt like he almost did everything but say, we are the favorites to land the Bellator roster. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's looking that way. And, and from what I'm hearing is it seems like Bellator might just kind of run as its own thing for a little bit while they figure all that out. But uh, they'll definitely need it. They'll, they'll need a roster like that if they're going to want to do pay-per-view. Which is what Strikeforce did when the UFC acquired them. I remember Davis and, sorry, Daly and Diaz was in San Diego. Dana White showed up. He wore a Strikeforce hat. Um, I believe Bristol Morandi and Jacare fought in Brazil. Same thing. They, but I think that was because they had to either finish out their their commitment to Showtime or whatever. In this case, Showtime's kind of saying, hey, we're done after 2023. I don't know if there's contracts or I don't know if that's just the easiest way to get started. I'm sure PFL's already started a map out 2024. And like Peter Murray just told us, there's only 10 per division and Bellator's way more than, you know, just a few cats. I mean, they, they have talent to bring to every division. So that's that's cool. Um, but give us something. Let's let's just get started, you know. And and uh, I anticipate some great matchups. Uh, in fact, here's another one I wanted to talk about. Julia Budd is not facing Kayla Harrison. Julia Budd's a former Bellator featherweight champion. She actually had three title defenses before Chris Cyborg smashed her. Um, and so she was supposed to fight Kayla Harrison. I'm sure Kayla was looking forward to that because again, anytime you can say, "Hey, look, I fought a former champion of another major major organization." And one, if that's in fact what t- happens, then that adds to your, you know, your street cred. She's got Aspen Ladd, who's a respected former bantamweight and featherweight in the UFC, mostly a bantamweight, and that's not a, a bad plan B. Yeah, I mean, I I like the fact that you can you could say Julia Budd's a former champion. I think that does help. Aspen Ladd, you know, it's a roller coaster with her. There's times where she does not look very good at all. And then there's times where she looks pretty good. So either way, I think it's still a challenging fight for uh, Kayla Harrison. It's a good measuring stick to see um, just where she's at in her progression. Because with, with Kayla Harrison, every every fight matters, you know, because her name is attached to such big names in our sport. So it's still going to be interesting. Hell, I might even say on paper, I think it could have done more for Kayla Harrison. But as far as like what the fans want to see, I think it might actually have worked out even better this way. Could be. I mean, Lad did beat Bud, so if anything, maybe it's a slightly higher profile current fighter. Lad can't match the Bud resume, but mm-hmm. um, like I say, recency bias. I guess maybe I would give it to Lad because of that win over Bud earlier this year. Two quick announcements came in. Jake Paul is going to box Andre August, December 15th, on the zone. And Chris Cyborg is going to box Kelly Wickstrom on January 19th. Eh? Or coup? What's your reaction, goes? Well, the names attached to Jake Paul are always what makes it so interesting. Now, 
the fact that this is an actual boxer, it's it, it it's interesting, but it doesn't make me want to pay any money or separate time the way like an ATS would, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe there I'm eh. And then as far as Chris Cyborg goes, if this is something that takes us like a little closer to maybe seeing the Clarissa Shields or someone like that, okay. Um, but Chris Cyborg has kind of like she's kind of just earned earned the chance to just do whatever the hell she wants at this point. You know, like mm-hmm. oh, she, she doesn't run from anyone. Like I, I don't care what people say. Um, I, I'm I'm okay with it, but I probably won't tune in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of the same. If, if once I hear December and January, my mind is on NFL. Mm-hmm. We're getting near the playoffs, and so yeah, you better come with a strong undercard in addition to Jake Paul versus fill in the blank. If you want me to tune in and spend some money, you know, it's two different things. I mean, I could be a millionaire, but if the card sucks, I'm not going to tune in, right? right? And the card could be great, but if I'm poor, then I'm not going to buy it. So. Uh, give us something to get excited about and we shall see is all I can say. In fact, now that I think about it, I wish I would have told Peter Murray, I'd love to see Clay Collard on a future boxing card, especially if it's a Francis Ngannou boxing card. I think he's earned getting a a boxing payday fighting someone else. He's an exciting fighter, but he really does have legitimate boxing experience under his belt. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the way he works the body. Um, he's just fun all around. Like he's definitely a guy that, hopefully, when they do do their pay per view series, that's a name you want to see on there. That's what makes you want to tune in and buy something. Mm-hmm. Did you know Joe Rogan hasn't announced a fight in three months? He's back on the UFC 295 commentary team in New York. That's great. You know, 30 year anniversary, big show. Like you said, in speaking to Mark Madsen, looks like they got a few bells and whistles plan for this historic evening i started thinking about it okay he didn't go to abu dhabi all right he didn't go to australia all right and then what was the one before australia i thought it was when they were in utah why didn't he go to that one but um yeah i i guess i i i oh no it's just in three months sorry not three shows yeah three months uh that, that's usually good news for a lot of people. A lot of people enjoy Rogan's input. Yeah, I mean, he's a staple of the UFC, so uh, it's nothing against any of the other guys that fill in. They do a great job, too, but it just kind of ups the level of, of what you're doing. It, it, he would have been missed, I'll put it that way. Yeah, big show, for sure. And again, Goes and I will be hosting a watch-along on Saturday, November 11th. That's basically in three days. Uh, it'll start at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for prelim fights, and then the pay-per-view. Here's how it works. 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. If you already got the pay-per-view, hey, turn it up. Listen to DC, John Anik, Joe Rogan. They do a great job from time to time. If they're just not your cup of tea, Goes and I will be calling the fights, too. We're, we actually do more play-by-play for the main card because what happens is a lot of people don't order the pay-per-view. A lot of people just choose not to, and that's fine, too. But guess what? Instead of hitting refresh for Twitter... Or even going to uh, you know, a, a website that might be doing play-by-play. You can hear us do it uh, in real time. And we'll tell you exactly what's happening. So that's the advantage for those that choose not to get it. Um, 
you just go to the website on Saturday night and check it out. Uh, our colleague Farah Hanoon, she'll be doing a preview show at 5 Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. Also, while I'm giving you these reminders, the Spinning Back Click show, which is every Monday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, we will have a second show. It's on Tuesday at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. On this specific show, Simon Savano, our managing editor, he'll host it. We're going to talk about the 30 greatest fighters in UFC history, the collaboration that we did as a website, um, breaking down the top 30 fighters in history. Today, Habib Nurmagomedov was released um, as the fifth greatest ever. He followed in the footsteps of number six, Jose Aldo, number seven, Daniel Cormier, number eight, Amanda Nunez, number nine, Alexander Volkanovsky, and number 10, Stephen Miocic. So there's only four left. There's 30 in total. Each time you hear one of those, or when you see one of those stories, if you just click, you'll hear a little bit of an audio uh, done by somebody from the staff. Those are pretty cool. And then you'll also see, if you scroll down to the bottom, the list of 11 through 30. So you kind of have an idea of what you might have missed or just kind of have an idea of what we collaborated on. Anyway, folks, that's it for today. We're going to bounce on at it here. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the Peter Murray interview. Again, the CEO of PFL. Sounds like kind of like the right type of guy to run it. You can tell he's excited about mixed martial arts. He wants it to grow. He wants the best. He's willing to have some transparency, and that's all we can ask. I, I guess I didn't never really gave my opinion goes, but I thought he sounded like a pretty solid cat, man. Yeah, for sure. I mean, anybody that's doing this type of job, you want to make sure they're passionate about it. And he seems like he is. Yep. All right. So we'll see you all on Saturday for the watch along and then Monday for spinning back click. And of course the regular junkie radio show. And don't forget, we have great coverage of UFC 295 in New York. Uh, shout out to Ken Hathaway, Mike Bond, Nolan King. They're there already been hustling and they're going to put out a lot of content. So check it out. In fact, not just the website at the YouTube channel. I know a lot of people just live on YouTube. Check out our YouTube channel. We have 325,000 subscribers. Man, we'd love to get to half a million at some point. And it all helps, and it all starts with you guys. Hit that like and subscribe to the channel. But I'm telling you, a lot of quality content for any hardcore MMA fan. And if you can, share that with others. Anyway, enjoy the weekend. Talk to you Saturday. Go out and be a champion. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.